This is a Cortez Currents news update. The BC Salmon Farmers Association will make a presentation about the Discovery Island Salmon Farms at tomorrow's Strathcona Regional District Board Meeting, and Sierra Quadra believes they will be making a presentation in response. When Cortez Currents pointed out that they aren't on the agenda, one of the environmental group's directors, Ray Grigg, replied, Well, I assume we are on the agenda because they received a letter from Sierra Quadra. And so as far as I know, we are on the agenda and we are um, priming for a submission. What do you hope to accomplish? To present environmental information regarding the justification for the Minister of Fisheries' decision to remove the salmon farms from the Discovery Islands area. Uh, This has been an ongoing problem for almost a couple of decades, and somebody has finally made a decision. And the salmon farming industry has been aware of this for years. They've been aware that this is coming. I'm not sure it should be a surprise to them at all. This is not what John Paul Fraser, Executive Director of the BC Salmon Farmers Association, came to speak about. We've had a lot of support from local government, and it uh, wasn't something we, we had to rally. It's real, because these are neighbors, these are friends, uh, these are local businesses that are doing really important things in the community, not just for the people they employ. This is a serious, serious problem, and local government is so often left sort of holding the bag. What we're talking about here is how to execute a removal of a number of salmon farms and how best to do it, it's pretty simple. Let's kill fewer fish and destroy fewer lives. And let's figure out a way to do that. And maybe we can come up with a plan of how to move production elsewhere, how to support people that are going to ultimately be impacted. And again, it's not just about the farms and the farmers on those farms. It's about the suppliers. It's about the small, medium-sized businesses that were born and grow up and sustain those communities. They're probably going to be more impacted. Uh, what about their futures? If they're going to start losing a business and contracts, where can they make it up? How can we support them in that effort? And, oh, by the way, is there something in place to help people deal with uh, the consequences of this decision? Uh, programs, services that, are, that could be brought to the table, that could be identified for us, that could, be, that could target the solution. You know, things that governments typically do when a consequential decision has been made that caused people to lose their jobs because of government decision-making. You know, there's accountability, there's responsibility, there's leadership that comes with that. And maybe it's time for the government to show an ounce of it. We're almost three months into this. And I ask you and your listeners, how many calls do you think we've got returned, letters that we've got returned, emails, anything from Ottawa uh, after this decision was made? And if your answer is zero, you win the prize. We've had nothing from the government after its decision. We're simply saying, look, like in the Broughton, when you made a decision to review and perhaps remove some of those sites, you didn't put a timeline on it. Why? Because you wanted to ensure that it could be done in a manner that would minimize impact to people and and to animals and to communities. It was a thoughtful process that then that, that decision created. It's ongoing. That was about three years ago for a five-year process. 
So you've got a decision made just further up the coast by a different level of government that has been hailed by many as a champion type decision when it comes to reconciliation. That it created an informed decision that led to a whole bunch of people coming to the legislature and celebrating it as such. You've got an example, quite recent, that could easily be replicated. And so in effect, we're asking the government, the federal government, to simply do what uh, has most recently been done successfully in a situation similar to this. Time, so give this decision the opportunity to figure out how best to do it and in what time frame. Transfer, reverse the decision insofar as allow the baby fish to complete their life cycle. One of the most sort of frustratingly incompetent things about this decision is that it was made as if the life cycle of the salmon commence when they enter the sites, not when they enter the world, <laughs> life. And these salmon don't, unfortunately don't have anywhere to go. And the government should have known that, did know it, can't seem to get its head around it. And they're simply asking, complete the life cycle of the salmon in these farms. Don't start a new one, just complete the one that we currently have. And let's get everyone around a table. Who would you invite to the table? Federal government, provincial government, indigenous government, local government. I think they have an important voice that really is uh, uh, totally ignored in these decisions and industry. What about environmental groups like Sierra Quadra? Would they have a place at the table? I think what government needs to realize is, is who they want to bring around that table. I'm not sure that that was, would be the right configuration here. I think in the Broughton process, uh, you have the right configuration. You have the nations. You have the governments that regulate the industry, either through tenuring or through licensing. And you have the companies. And I think that's really where the conversation needs to be. What about environmental groups like Sierra Quadra? Would they have a place at the table? It's got to be focused. Let's not turn it into a circus. Let's figure out how to do this and follow a model that works. You will get a protest from environmental groups if they feel like they haven't got a seat at the table. I don't know why they deserve a seat at the table, quite honestly, Roy. I don't, I don't really understand why, because this is based on a consultation between governments, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. And now it's about how to implement a decision that the government's made. If environmental groups get upset about that, it doesn't really matter. What really matters is doing this in a manner that works if in the best interests of the communities, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. And so let's get to it. When I mentioned this reply to Sierra Quadra, Grig said, well, this has always been their position that they are not an environmental problem. And so they don't want any representation from the environmentalists. The very reason that they're being evicted from open net pens is because of environmental problems. Their entire strategy from the beginning of their development as an industry on this coast has been to make themselves indispensable as an economic driver. And environmental issues have never been a primary concern of theirs. They don't want to explore the environmental damage that they caused. When the salmon farming industry first began on the West Coast, there were massive confrontations between them and the existing wildlife that was on the coast. And for a period of about 13 years, they were killing about 500 seals per year because they were predating their salmon farms. 
This doesn't account for the otters that they probably killed, the blue herons, anything that was eating their fish. They had acoustic devices that scared the orcas away from their fish farms. And those orcas are just starting to come back in the Broughtons now, where the, the salmon farms have been moved out. They've had an environmental disaster from the beginning of their tenure on the West Coast, and it's something they just do not want to acknowledge. And so they don't want us on any panel that has to do with whether or not their eviction from the Discovery Islands is legitimate or not. They want to focus entirely on jobs and economy, and never mind the ecology, and never mind the well-being of First Nations traditions. Angela Cock added, They keep saying that the science is done, but we just found out that there's seven new viruses that have been discovered in the farms. And I think two of those, it looked like they might be from the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic origin, which isn't surprising. And we learned at the Cohen Commission that one in four farms has a major fish health event every year. And so I think they do have some pretty good, clean, healthy farms, especially when the fish are, are first put in there from the hatcheries. It's only when the fish have been in the farms for a little while that they start seeing problems with them. The BC Salmon Farmers Association recently revised their estimate of what closing the Discovery Island fish farms will mean to the region's economy. I asked John Paul Fraser to read out some of the highlights we're looking at an overall impact of about 24% reduction in the uh, entire sector. That is going to have uh, potentially an impact of over 1,500 jobs lost with an average income of around $79,000 per family. And that comes with all of the things that those salaries include, including benefits and supports for family members. We're looking at a regional economic impact of about $386 million in economic output. We're looking at a a loss of about $140 million in gross domestic product, GDP. We're looking at impact, and it ranges uh, on over 260 suppliers of goods and services. We're looking at a a loss of about $140 million in gross domestic product, GDP. We're looking at impact, and it ranges uh, on over 260 suppliers of goods and services uh, in the area. We're looking at probably a reduction over $20 million in spending on those suppliers. Okay, $20 million spent on suppliers, local businesses, potentially gone. And then we're looking at over 10 million salmon being euthanized, which is about $170 million in lost value and about 200 million meals be going to waste. Okay, so wherever you land on the spectrum, and I talked to a lot of regional districts and a lot of local councils, one of the things that did strike me is it doesn't matter where you land on this issue. This is all that matters now. And what is government doing to implement its decision in a manner that might change the trajectory of some of this? Because it looks like the answer is nothing. When I asked Sierra Quadra about the economic impacts of closing the fish farms, Grig replied. 
the salmon farming industry has used that as leverage to make themselves indispensable and to wreak whatever environmental havoc that they can without being held responsible for it. And I think that they cannot continue doing that without risking the entire West Coast marine ecology. This ecology is under stress as it is. We don't need another stressor such as salmon farms. It's interesting that they have never explored the option of land-based salmon farms. This is something they could do. And if they were really concerned about the economy of this district, they could simply move their farms to land-based. And in some respects, it would work even better. They wouldn't have the disease problem to deal with. They wouldn't have the environmentalists to deal with. They could put their farms closer to urban centers. Their employees could travel more easily to them. They wouldn't have to be out in the outskirts somewhere where they have to commute back and forth a week on, week off. It would seem to me to make a great deal of sense just to go to go on land. But there are capital costs to that, and it probably decreases their profit margin. And they feel beholden to their shareholders, and they don't want to um, risk what must be a very highly lucrative operation by being able to continue out in the ocean.